Welcome to Bible Line, a ministry of Calvary Community Church. Our podcast is dedicated to the clear teaching of God's Word. We aim to help people find Jesus Christ and train believers through the study of the Bible. We would love to feature your questions on the show. You can email us at questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to calvaryoftampa.org forward slash donate. Catch new episodes every Thursday. We pray today's episode is a blessing to you. All right, if you can take your Bibles, um, we're definitely short on time, but that is not a problem. Uh, we're going to continue, hopefully we'll be able to conclude our, stu- our study on Satan and his subtlety. Uh, we're going to look at the temptation uh, recorded in Matthew chapter 4. This is the temptation of Christ. Uh, I do not believe that Jesus had a sin nature and he just chose not to use it. Um, if Jesus had a sin nature, then he would fall under the category that's listed in Romans chapter 5, uh, in which he would have sin to pay for. Uh, this is why the virgin birth is so important. Uh, there, are, there are leaders in ministry today that think it's, I don't know, edgy or cool or just exciting to doubt God's Word. Uh, typically now when you hear of a conservative Bible believer, it's someone that believes in the inerrancy of Scripture, that the way that we see the Bible today, is, it's accurate. It's not to be questioned or up to you know, some wild interpretation. And uh, major ministries today, the leaders of those ministries will say, we don't really know if Jesus was born of a virgin. Friends, if he was not born of a virgin, take your Bible, put it in the trash, don't ever come back here again, because we are just trusting in a man who uh, claimed to be God but was not. The virgin birth is very important. And if, if he was not born of a virgin, I'll say again, he'll fall uh, under the category of you and me. And we don't have time to look in Romans 5, but if you just make a note, Romans chapter 5 and verses 12 through 14, you'll see that we're all born into sin. We're all born under it. Uh, this is important to understand. So when Christ was placed by the Holy Spirit into Mary, born of a virgin, he did not come out with a sin nature, and he just didn't choose to use it. Uh, he was sinless. He was tempted in all ways, like we have been tempted, and he was found without sin. And you see that in Hebrews chapter 4. But what we see here in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, is we see how the devil misapplies Scripture and how Christ, at every opportunity, correctly applies Scripture and the devil departs from him. There's many people right now that think uh, it's not important. Uh, to memorize your Bible. It's not really important to be doctrinally clear on anything, and this is called the ecumenical movement, where churches are saying, well, we want to be seeker-friendly, and you may hear this, and it's the idea that we don't want to exclude anybody from coming into church, and they wrongly assume that if we teach about sin and we teach about the uncomfortable parts of Scripture, that we're actually going to keep the lost away, and therefore we're not going to be able to reach them, so we need to sponge and wipe away all that terminology from how we have church, and then we'll be able to reach more people. It's a horrible idea, but it's, 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 it's in mainstream. This is where we are. We need to properly understand how we can fight the devil. Uh, the devil is not omnipotent. He is not everywhere at once, nor can he read your mind. But as we saw last week, he is incredibly wise. Okay, The first opportunity he had to deceive mankind, he was successful. I think the devil has a lot of godly wisdom, but he knows how to twist it and misapply it. 
And he, when he said in the garden, he said, Yea, hath God said. And he directly quoted God. But it was the way that he said it and how he cast doubt that caused Eve to question. Then he made it seem like Eve was missing out on something, like God was withholding her from something that she wanted. And of course, she fell and Adam fell in the same way. And here we are today. The devil is extremely wise. And in this passage that we'll see today, you'll see how Jesus combats this subtlety from the devil. So let's look first at Matthew chapter 4. This is on page 997, if you've got uh, the Schofield Bible in the pew. It says in verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So this is something that had a purpose and a plan. And you'll see there in verse 2, And he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He was thereafter and hungered. So he was without food for 40 days and 40 nights. I can't help but draw a comparison to the amount of time that Israel walked in the wilderness, 40 years. And we can see Christ here is going to show how to properly fight the devil's temptation. So as we see here in verse 3, it says, And when the tempter came to him, we understand this to be Satan, he said, If thou be the Son of God, the first thing I want you to note here is he's questioning whether he is the Son of God or not. And I believe that Satan knows. I don't think he's really trying to figure it out. But he's trying to get him to slip because here's what happens. If Christ does sin, it's over. I mean, the game is over. I don't even like calling it a game. But this, this whole thing that was set before the foundation of the world will be no more if he simply slips in these three specific uh, temptations from Satan. So he's been hungry. He has not eaten. And Satan says, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. The application that we can draw from here is the devil will tempt you physically. You will come across temptations physically. This past couple of weeks, um, I'm usually off on Mondays, but I've been in the office and I've been working very late and we've been getting stuff done. And there are opportunities for mismanagement of time. There are opportunities for the thoughts to wander. There are opportunities to not spend my time doing the right thing. I'm sure we all have had opportunities where because of the abundance of time that we have on our hands, there's an opportunity to get into things we should not get into, to waste time, uh, to worship leisure. And these things are important to recognize that physically we can fall and physically we will be tempted just as the Lord was tempted here. But look at his response in each, in, in each situation. He applies scripture correctly and then the devil moves on to the next point. Look what it says here in verse 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And this is actually a quote from the Old Testament Scriptures. If you want to write this down, I would encourage you to do so. He is bringing Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3 to light, where God is saying, I provided you with food from the sky. And this is to be a picture that you will not simply live off of the physical things, the bread and the water and whatever gives you the ability to continue to live physically. But we need the Word of God. I wrote this quote down here. Uh, he quotes Deuteronomy 8.3 with the intent to show that the Word of God is not just to be known, it is to be applied to the life of those who hear. There are many people who have come in contact with godly wisdom. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever 
believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the most important account that a person can know. And I, I challenge you to go over the rest of this week and talk to a stranger and see if they know that verse. Many people in America still know John 3.16. They've been introduced to it in some way, shape, or form. In France, uh, Greg Sermons, one of our missionaries, says people don't even understand the reference John 3.16. They don't know that John is a book, or that 3 represents a chapter, or that 16 is a delineation of a verse number. They have no idea. That country is getting very, very far away from the Lord. But still here in America, people know Jesus Christ. They know that he died on the cross. They may even know that he died to pay for the sins of the world. They may even know that he said that he would rise again and that he did. But they have not believed on it. They have not believed on it. You're not going to live spiritually unless you believe. And the point that is being brought out here is even though Satan is, and after Jesus had not eaten for 40 days and 40 nights, he, miss, he, he gives him an opportunity to get physical relief. Just command these stones to be bred. Could he have done it? Absolutely he could do that. The Bible says the rocks would cry out of God. And Jesus did not do so, and he gave scripture as to why he would not do so. So the first thing here is he tempts him physically. Next, he's going to tempt him in, the, in, in both of these next examples. You're going to see a misapplication of scripture. Look in verses 5 through 7 of Matthew 4. Then the devil taketh, up, uh, taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, there is the temptation again. Hey, prove it. If this is who you are, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. I want you to mark that, and, and I want you to uh, listen here as we read from a commentary how I feel like is a, it, this is a good description of, of what is happening here. First of all, the devil is trying to apply Psalms 91, verses 11 through 12. And we don't have time to look at that, but you can look at that reference uh, when you get home. That's Psalms 91, verse 11 through 12. So Jesus refused Satan's suggestion here because the Scriptures forbade putting God to a test. We are not to test God. Not because he questioned God's faithfulness to his promise. Satan tempted Jesus to test God. Satan was tempting Jesus to act as if God was there to serve him rather than the other way around. Israel had faced the same tests and had failed. It is wrong to demand that God prove himself faithful to his promises. Listen, I remembered this in apologetics. It was a very strong point. We as man are not supposed to sit in question of God. Here's how... If that was how we are supposed to know that God really means what he says, it would vary for each one of you. Let's just use an example of uh, a vehicle. Well, Warren may have a vehicle that he really wants that I would look at and say, I have no desire for that. But if we were to both look at God individually and say, God, if you really are who you claim to be, you'll give me a 2021 whatever, and you'll make that happen. God is not supposed to meet that demand. That's not how it works. How has God proved himself? Through his word, the very fact that Jesus was born of a virgin fulfills prophecy. As it said, it was going to happen. He came into the world, Isaiah 53. The world knew him not. He went to the cross. There, God does not have to answer our questions. We do not sit in judgment of God to prove whether he is good or not. He has already declared it and he has demonstrated it. Do you see this attitude in the world today? It's like people sit with their arms crossed and say, 
prove it to me. And it's like, do, have you read the Bible? No. And you hear things like, I don't have time, or uh, I don't believe the Bible is true, and they'll use some sort of you know, talking point that they found on Reddit or some other dumpster place, and they say, oh yeah, uh, you know, one, two, and three, that's good for me. They never actually read for themselves. They never do. It's so important to see how the devil even is trying to misapply Scripture here as to say, well, God can be tested in this way, but we know that that is not true. It is wrong to demand that God prove himself faithful to his promises by giving us what he has promised on our terms. The proper procedure is to simply trust and obey. And you can write down here Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I don't think we're pulling that out of context. Actually, if you read the context of Proverbs chapter 3, this is how we can be obedient. It is to trust the Lord. And I've had some very hard conversations this year with people that have experienced tragic loss and difficulties. And they have prayed to God for prayers to be answered. And to them, it seems like it's unanswered. But you know what the problem is? We find out, and this is not to identify their error. This is for you and I to learn. The end result of prayer is not to get an answer. It's to learn how to pray. It's to learn how to pray. It's to learn how to give to the Lord in that situation. This is how we should pray. Lord, whatever your will is, here's what, here's what I don't understand. I talk to God many times and I say, you know, Lord, I don't even know. I don't even know if I should be asking this. I don't even know if my thoughts and intentions are correct. But I want you to do what your will is, and I have chosen to obey it. And I, I drop it. We go back a couple of times in prayer requests to meet those needs, but you deliver it to the Lord, and we're not sitting there combing our chin like, hmm, wow, it's been a week. <laughs> wow, it's been two weeks. Yeah, God really loves and cares about me. We need to trust the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding. Amen. You know, getting an answer is how we think things are over. The Lord may wait years for that answer, or He may give you an answer that you don't want. That we may think, well, that's not right. we got to learn how to pray. We have to learn how to pray. And then the last example here, look at verses 8 through 11. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee... Uh, I get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. This is the, the ends justify the means. The ends justify the means. I have no doubt that Jesus knew how things were going to end. I have no doubt that he knows he will rule and reign forever. But the temptation here is under the devil's temporary power as, as the ruler right now, uh, the, the prince and the power of the air, he was going to offer Jesus something he could get it now. It's not said here, but what is skipped if Jesus says yes to this? The offering on the, on the cross. There'd be no need for him to rise again from the dead. And he may have become a great world ruler, but there would be no payment for sin. And of course, Christ used Scripture properly here to say, we will own, uh, uh, thou shalt worship, the end of verse 10 there, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And I want you to see what is said here in verse 11. It may be simply just a recap of an action that was done, but it says, then the devil leaveth him. And I, I wrote this down here. Jesus used Scripture in each case, each one of these cases, he used Scripture to quiet Satan. He did not panic. 
nor did he remain silent. He quoted Scripture and moved on. We must discipline our minds to memorize Scripture and then properly apply it when we are tempted to sin. I think that's a twofold issue. Number one, memorizing Scripture. There are many apps. Uh, ProScripture Typer is one of them that I would recommend to you strongly. It's a one-time fee. It's like $9, and you, you have license to it for the rest of your life. But it's a very efficient way to learn Scripture. Instead of typing every word, you type the first word, uh, excuse me, you type the first letter of the word, and you memorize it. I use that throughout Bible College. I still have that app. And you can create folders, and you can create plans where you're memorizing entire portions of Scripture. You could memorize an entire book if you wanted to. But the problem that, that persists with memorizing Scripture is disciplining your mind to memorize the Scripture. It can be very difficult. There are, there, there are thoughts that enter into your mind. You have given time to other things that do not allow you to put time towards memorizing Scripture. But let me tell you, it becomes incredibly powerful when you know the Word of God because it resides in your mind. We can say it even resides in our heart, and that's not our beating heart, but it is in our, it is in our mind at the seat of man's emotions. Boy, there are times where you will be going through an extremely difficult challenge, and a proper application of Bible Scripture can help you get through it rather quickly. It will change your perspective. One verse that I keep at the forefront of my mind is Colossians 3.1. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. That's a great reminder when your car is not going to start and you're late. You can, you can freak out and have a panic attack and all these different... Don't worry about those things. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Yeah. And, and you, as you learn Scripture and you learn where Bible verses are and you get better at that, the next step is you've got to learn how to apply it. Are there people that misapply Scripture? There are whole ministries built off that. There's a whole movement in the prosperity gospel that misapplies promises to Israel to people that make payments. And you know it. It's been going around for years. There's a misapplication of the signs, the sign gifts that happened in the apostolic age. People say, well, you've got to have the same gifts to prove that you're saved. That's a misapplication of Scripture. They may be able to quote it, but they don't apply it correctly. This is why it's so important to study your Bible. Study your Bible and study it often. Stay rooted in it. So just to recap here, the devil tempted Christ Physically, he misapplied Scripture with Psalms 91, 11 through 12, and then he also offered the ends justify the means. Well, if you just do it now, it's already going to happen. If you just do it now, all you got to do is worship me, and these things will come to pass. That would have erased uh, the death at, uh, at burial and resurrection of Christ, erasing the payment for sin. And we can learn a lot from the devil here as well as from Christ. The first thing is the devil, guys, he does not care. He does not care about you. We know that he is an accuser of the brethren from Revelation 12.10. You can see in Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2 how the devil questions Job's faithfulness. Well, if he took away everything that he had, then he would curse you. What does the Lord do? He allows that to happen. Well, if you took away his health, surely he would curse you and die. The Lord allows that to happen too. You know what question I've often wondered? Did Job ever find out why those things happened to him? The Scripture doesn't really say. It doesn't say that he knew exactly why these things happened. But you know what? He remained faithful to God. And God gave him back double what was taken from him. 
And some people may say, well, that's, that's just so wicked of God. No, it's not. It's not. You and I have, people have learned for thousands of years from Job's testimony how to deal with difficult things that happen to us. Also, how to properly filter the counsel of friends, people that have your best interest at heart. They're not always wise, wise counsel. So you need to understand that the devil is going to do whatever he can to ruin the believer's testimony. He stands in accusal of you. He accuses you. Is there anything to accuse you of? No. All your sin is paid for. He still accuses. Read it there in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10. And then the second thing I want you to take away from this is how important it is to have your Bible memorized. How important it is to be close and often in your Bible. You should not be in your Bible to simply make a check mark on an app to show some sort of streak. You should not be in your Bible simply to manage devotion that you bought. You should be in your Bible hungry for the truth. Learning how to rightly divide the word of truth. It's so important. Otherwise, we're going to get picked apart. We're going to get picked apart and we have no one to blame but ourselves. So next week as we wrap up, we'll look at how, the Satan is, uh, how Satan is going to rule, he's not going to rule, but how he's going to use this tribulation period and then ultimately how it ends for him. And remember last week, I think it was in Ezekiel or Isaiah where they said they will narrowly look upon him and say, was this the one? I think the devil knows his end, but there are so many people that are being deceived and they're going straight to hell. You know, I, we were, uh, I'm going to say this in closing, I know we're over time. Uh, we're reading today, I'm, I'm studying about this uh, outer darkness thing, this, this wicked teaching right now that's saying that there's uh, exclusion for disobedient believers that are somehow going to be saved by grace, all their sin is paid for, but then because they were so bad, they'll be in a purgatory for the millennium and then come back. You know, some of these things, they're, they're just insane. But we were talking about how, or uh, the book I was reading was talking about this idea of wailing and gnashing of teeth. And I want to paint a picture for you here. In many of the parables that Jesus uses, that phrase, outer darkness or torment, hell has yet to be, you know, the, the, the final hell is not where these people are going when Christ comes back in the second coming. I wouldn't be surprised if the earth opened up and they were swallowed into uh, Sheol. I want you to think about this for a second. I don't know how far it is from here to the center of the earth, but a person falling and the, 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 the absolute blood-curling scream uh, that that would sound like, only to be greeted with a literal fire-burning you know, consumption of their body. And I look at that phrase, gnashing of teeth, and for some reason, for a long time, I kind of thought it was like eating corn. You know, It's like you're just going at it, you're going at it, but it's actually better understood as a wincing. You ever been struck so hard, or had a pain so deep that it just takes your breath away and all you can do is grit? All you can do is gnash down on your teeth? This is, this, this is not some fairy tale picture, uh, some, some metaphor for the cessation of life. This is going to happen to people. They are going to be thrown into hell, and it will be over for them. And I just don't see how you and I can be so deluded to our problems, so deluded to being, I don't want to offend anybody, when, when it's really a matter of eternal rest and peace with Christ. 
and separation from God forever in a, in a literal fire-burning hell. It puts everything into perspective. It should motivate us to die to self and live unto Christ. Live unto His message. But there are temptations that are strong. There are avenues that we can go down with our life choices and the people that we spend time with and the things that we spend time on that just distract us. And it's the subtlety of the devil. And when the rapture happens and we get into the tribulation period, it is going to magnify itself. It is only going to get worse. We know from 2 Thessalonians that people are going to believe a strong delusion. For what purpose? They rejected the gospel. It's going to be hard for someone to trust Christ. People will trust Christ because Christians will lose their heads. We're going to have the 144,000 Jews doing their work. We have so much time left right now, even today, to make a difference. Do not succumb to the subtlety of the devil. Look up here. This hand represents you and me, and my wallet represents sin. I'm going to put this on top of my hand because the Bible says, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. God, he loves us very much. It's the sin that he hates, and this sin, it separates us from him. In order to get to heaven, we have to be perfect, just like God. The command is simple. The application of that is impossible. No one can do it. I'm not talking about you had to be perfect from this day forward. I mean, you had to have no sin at all. The payment for sin is not good works. It's not going to church. It's not reading your Bible. It's not turning from sin. That's, even, that's impossible to do. The payment for sin is death, eternal separation from God forever in a place called hell. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He was perfect, fully God and fully man. And what was done as a demonstration of God's love on the cross of Calvary was Jesus took all the sin of all the world, laid it upon himself, received the punishment for it, cried out, it is finished, gave up the ghost. He was buried and he rose again three days later to prove that that payment of sin was made. And in Jesus' exchange with Nicodemus, the most famous verse in all the Bible, we can see and understand how you and I can know for sure we have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it's an eternal salvation. There's not some sin that's going to be leveled against you and you've got to get saved again. When Jesus said it is finished, He meant exactly what He said and that He paid for all the sin of all the world. And how can you receive the righteousness of God? It's not by anything you can do. It's not by asking for forgiveness, it's by receiving. What does it mean to receive? Just simply believe. Put your trust on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you are given as a free gift eternal life. And guess what? No terms and conditions. No exclusions about that eternal life. It is exactly as promised. And when you die, you can rest and know for a certainty that you'll be absent from the body and present with the Lord. If you have not gotten saved, please do not delay. This is not a game, this is not a trial. This is not a certain brand of Christianity. This is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Him. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are extremely thankful for the opportunity to look and study at the temptation of, of Christ. Very high level this evening, but Lord, we, we, we just have so much we can learn from You. I pray that we can learn as believers to humble ourselves, to submit ourselves to the Word that we can rightly divide it, we can memorize Scripture, and we can know when the devil is uh, subtly distracting us, causing us to sin, bringing us temptations in different areas. 
Just pray, Lord, that we can have victory in our Christian life by learning how to grow in your grace. We spent a lot of time tonight in prayer, Lord, and I'm thankful for that. I pray that those requests are, are uh, met, that you bring us back here safely. There's a lot of work to do in the hallway here. We pray that that can be done and pray for our missions conference and our missionaries as they travel here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode. As a thank you to our listeners, we want to give away a free Bible every month this year. To enter, send us an email with your Bible question. Our email address is questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. Be sure to subscribe to the show and check back each Thursday for new episodes. Until next time, keep looking up. Jesus is coming soon.